Meet Tracy Walton, a true jack of all trades. Tracy joins us from his on-deck recording studio located in Northfield, Connecticut, and shares with us his recording approach and process, as well as an update on recent recording projects. We talk about his perspective on the recent Beatles Get Back documentary, as well as his experience with the popular Bell of the Fall folk duo, and his most recent solo album, Small Town America. We're talking to Tracy Walton. Tracy is a musician, singer-songwriter, recording artist, author, and owner of On Deck Sound Studio. So I'd like to start with your studio. Tell us about that. You'd call it more of like a boutique studio, is the way I think of it. It's, um, I make, I produce records here for, for people. I do some, you know, audiobooks and stuff like that, but mostly I produce records. People come here to work with me um, sure. on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And that's what I do. I got into it years and years ago and it just kept growing where I kept getting more and more equipment. And eventually it was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I have enough to start a studio. I had a studio in Torrington and then when I came in Torrington, Connecticut, and then when I came to Northfield, like many people, I built one in the basement and then eventually I, so the studio is built off of, uh, my home so okay I, there's a there's a full addition that is the studio i have tons of guitars and tons of vintage organs and mostly i do stuff where people are playing instruments so i don't do a lot of hip-hop i don't do a lot of electronic stuff it's more instrument based so drums sure. guitar that's kind of so rock jazz folk uh those genres or more blues is what i what i do here okay so an artist would come to you and they, they want to record. I'm guessing, do they uh, rent studio time? I do it. It's funny. Lately, I've been doing more and more where someone will come in. We'll talk about the scope of the project, what their goals are, and what's the best thing to get them to that goal. Because what happens in a lot of studios these days is that, and, and, you know, all the days, I guess, where you'd come in and you make a record and it's like, okay, great. Good luck. It used to be where there'd be record labels that were kind of handling that. And the cream was rising to the top and, and those, those records would get made and hopefully find an audience. Today, that system has kind of been turned on its head and most of it's independent. Sure. So when people come here, you know, they don't really know what to do with a record because they're not record labels. So it started to becoming pretty apparent where, you know, I'd be making some great records that people just wouldn't hear because the artist wouldn't know what to do with it. So I started getting the model more where we do video, we do, you know, help with branding, we help with kind of the whole package. So back to your question, when someone comes lately, I've been trying to do it more where we talk about the project, what's going to be the best fit to get them to the goal, come up with a number for what that is going to cost. Sure. And then from there, throw it out the window and just say, that's it. We're, we're doing it till it's done and it's done right. What happens is what I find, and I still do this a lot as well, because, you know, that's every project can be different. But oftentimes when I'm working with someone and there's a specific budget and we're going by the hour, a lot of decisions start getting made 
by the budget and by the hour. So if I want to spend five, like I was just talking to um, Julia Autumn Ford, who works here and does video stuff and, and, and website stuff. Julia was in the band Bell of the Fall with me. I was just saying to her, it's, it's, it's nice when we want to spend five hours miking up a washing machine to see what it'll sound like if there's not an hourly rate going on. Sure. Because people start saying like, man, I just spent $500 miking up a washing machine and it didn't work. Right. But what happens is the times that it works, it really works and it's super cool. And it's nice to be able to do that. So that other model lets us do that and just says, Hey, it's going to be, you know, for whatever, an eight song album, four videos, a radio campaign, it's going to be $10,000. I'm just throwing a number out there. Right. And then that's it. We're working till, till I feel like it's good. And we're all ready to high five and say, man, this is amazing. Okay. Sometimes that means chasing a sound for five hours. That doesn't work. So you're a one-stop shop in a, in a way. Yes. In that sense, for the most part, there's certainly okay. some stuff, I guess, but yeah, we do for the folk acoustic genre. We even do radio campaigns. Okay. I don't really have, you know, just because we were in that circuit, it's easier for me to, I have those contacts. I don't have a lot of like metal contacts for a heavy metal band or something. Right. Um, Although I make heavy metal records, I just don't, I wouldn't be able to do a radio campaign for that. Sure. But the branding, the website, the videos, everything else, for sure. Anybody in particular you could uh, share with us that you did a recent project with? Well, we just did. We recorded all the drums for the Black Swan record. That just came out. That was um, uh, Jeff Pilsen, who was the bass player in Dokken. Okay. Um, Matt Starr on drums who's in Mr. Big and Ace Freely. Uh, and we did all the drums with Matt here. Reb Beach, who was in Winger and White Snake, And then Robin McCauley, who was in McCauley Shanker Group and, and sang for Survivor for a while. So that was a big record for us. Steve Dunn just had a record come out, uh, Last Call. It's doing really well. Christy Flagg had a record come out pretty recently that was charting on folk radio. Okay. Uh, she's really good, but she's done her second record. I just Cosmo Sunshine was just here. We finished mastering his record, which will be out soon. Simone Marie, Riley Cotton, Nathaniel Hintz, Claire Chapman all have records coming out in the next month or two. Starting the Meadows Brothers record uh, next week. Really excited about that. Great uh, brother group. They got, they won best song at Merle Fest. Oh, yeah. The categories, um, you know, and you look at the list and it's like Gillian Welch yeah, right. know, down the line. You're like, wow, that's, you know, they're really good. So we're starting that record next week. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, and most of those ones I just mentioned are more in that mold of we're just making a record. We're going to lock ourselves in until everyone, you know, sure is excited about it and, I know, I know there's a lot of, um, home studios and a lot of artists record from, from home. And oftentimes they'll make references to, we were able to do everything, but then we had to go somewhere for drums. Yeah, for sure. And that's like, you know, so again, we're making like that black swan record. It's you're talking like as big as it gets, 
you know, those, you know, that's, we're kind of in that 80s genre of drums with Philson and all those guys. Drum sounds don't get bigger than that. And we're cutting those here. So yeah, so some of it is one, you need the room, which people discount and forget like, oh, wait, if the room doesn't sound good, like you're completely in the hole. You then need the gear to put on those drums to make them sound good. Sure. Um, and then the one that kind of gets discounted and listen, the, the one in the equation for me um, that's really important is the drummer for sure. Like someone has to hit those right for them to sound good. Right. I could like with Matt Starr, I could sit down in his kit. It doesn't sound like Matt playing them. Sure. He's really world-class. And I have a lot of great drummers here that's, that bring out the best in uh, his kit or the house kit. But so there's the room, but then the one that does get discounted a lot is that you need an engineer, you know, it's, I try to have the example for people that with me, if you gave me every tool in the world, a lift, uh, computers, I still couldn't fix a car, right. I'm not a mechanic. Yeah. So when I put, if you just, people get thrown in and it's like, like I was just listening to a record with someone and there was just phase issues and it was like, it just didn't sound good you know and that's just they didn't have an actual engineer who knew how to make a record never mind no one is you know you, knowing how to make a record having been in situations enough once just like anything else once you've done it a thousand times or over you know a period of 20 30 years you run into most stuff and you have kind of something to draw on you know ha having that that knowledge base to draw from really helps get where you know you can get the job done. Sure. I want to ask you, I know you're a Beatle fan Absolutely. and particularly Paul McCartney and your bass player and your, yep. your love of, of the bass. I got to ask you about your reflections on the get back documentary. What, what surprised you the most about that? Not that much, really. I was okay. surprised that John was as coherent as he was, okay. honestly knowing where John was and knowing his drug struggles. And he came across as pretty together in that filming. And I think some of that might be the edit. I don't know. Like it might be that they edited out a lot of that. He was definitely struggling with drugs at the time. His output was, you know, you look at that album, he contributed. I dig a pony, yeah. which is a cool song, but it's not, it's not, you know, get back sure. long and winding road. Like the, the just let it be just keep you know hit after hit and right and back early on that's what would happen where where lennon would come or mccartney would come in with penny lane and he'd say well here's you know strawberry fields lennon yeah. would just it's shot for shot he's right. like oh, well, let's go you know yeah. so i was surprised he was as as almost as functioning as he was even though he wasn't functioning well as a songwriter like one after 909 is, you know, it was a song you wrote as a 14 year old. They're not using that on any other record if he's yeah. himself. Right. Um, huh. Interesting. You know, and I think it does go to show where like, you know, and I love George Harrison, but all the years before that, imagine you're in that band. You saw McCartney work in that, in that video. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's Oh, I, I get goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, he's like, oh, here's, you know, you just hear him start. Here's let it be. The next day it's, 
and there was stuff he was playing stuff for the next record golden right. slumber right you know maxwell silver hammer all these tunes are just like flying out long and winding road uh, get back he wrote like so many classics in that one little sitting now imagine lennon's in the next room doing the same thing which is how he was sure all those years of course harrison couldn't get any songs on the record you know right. like because right. even that record um is i me mine that's on let yeah. it be yeah. yeah right good tune but it's not like if you had if you took the top four mccartney's and and added four more of those from lennon it starts to get hard for him to crack his tunes you know yeah so yeah i don't know maybe that was yeah. a little bit of a tangent no. but i love the beatles i could talk yeah. all day it was fascinating to watch yeah it was and i guess what surprised me too I, i'll say that too i guess not even just john i'm surprised they got along as well as they did still yeah. some people are like oh they were dysfunctional that was their 13th album sure. and never mind four major motion pictures touring you know like i can't <laughs> believe they didn't hate each other yeah, and I don't know if maybe it was, like you said, the editing, but I couldn't uh, get over how polite they were. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I heard an F-bomb. Yeah, no, they all, it was, I, listen, I, I have, I, being in a studio, I've been in a lot of bands myself, so I know how hard it is, you know, to, to get along still. You know, and I mentioned Julia, she's in the other room right now, who's in Bell of the Fall. We still get along great, but that's two of us ha having to get along. And sure. listen, three albums in, our recording sessions weren't probably as mellow as their 13th, you know? <laughs> and now, you know, and again, we're really good friends and still, you know, get along great and, and, and all that. I have bands in here, first album, second album that leave, you know, ready to fist fight. So that really surprised me how well they got along, you know, mm. um, still at that point. Yeah. Um, so cool. Yeah. That was, yeah. A lot of fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Really, really fascinating. Tracy, you recorded an album of your own, 2021, Small Town America. Yes. Inspiration for that. Well, it's kind of, you know, I grew up in a small town and, and I still live in the area. And I was just kind of, I tell in the, in the act, I was kind of at a stoplight. I looked over and the Unitarian Church was in what used to be the off-track bedding yeah. and, the, and, and it triggered that the off-track bedding is now in a place that was called Water Street Station, which was the old bar we used to play. Really good rock bar, um, you know, 300 person capacity, nice stage, big sound. And that was kind of where we all cut our teeth. You know, I kind of just started thinking about that, how, you know, and, and, and the downtown is Torrington, Connecticut is a factory town. Uh, the flood of 55 that happened um, in, in Connecticut kind of really took out some of the town. And then it being a factory town, the Torrington company made ball bearings, never really recovered. You know, when the factories kind of went out, it's still one of those New England towns that just never came back to its glory because the factory went out. The Torrington company employed 14,000 people and now is no longer exists. And maybe I made that number up. It may have okay. been a thousand or whatever, but it was the big sure. company. Big employer. Yes. So like all those New England towns, there's, you know, stuff boarded up and, you know, it's struggling to find its identity and everything else. And, you know, it just, it started to come out where I wrote that song first, Small Town America. 
And then I started to just write more and more in that headspace. Okay. And it became kind of almost not really a concept album, but it has that theme tying through the songs. It's some it, maybe are you'd have to stretch to find the connection, but there's six or seven that are kind of right in there. It sounds very personal. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's one that's written almost from the perspective of my grandfather who worked at the Torrington company. Yeah, it's, it, it's, I think it's my best album. It was funny. It dropped in the middle of COVID. So there was no gigs. Yeah. But it was like, I have an album. I'm just going to put it out. Uh, we recorded it. We recorded all the initial tracks live. It was myself, Steve Peck and Rich Hinman. Rich I've been with for years. We taught at the national guitar workshop together. Uh, Rich is, was in a band black lab project with me. He's played on most of my solo albums He's now with uh, Katie Lang in Sarah Bareilles' band. He was with Roseanne Cash for years. He's he's a monster. He's yeah. I think I don't know if he's done, but he's they they hired him to be. I just talked to him. He was in the fictional band for uh, the movie about George Jones and Tammy Wynette that they're doing. Yeah, it's out. It's I think it's out in a few weeks or so. Okay. It's coming out pretty quick. They actually brought in like real deal. Like he played, he was there for six weeks. Just, you know, every once in a while, they'd be like, hey, we need the band. And he'd come in and they'd lip sync, you know, playing a yeah. tune. Yeah. So anyway, so that so that was the core group. We recorded it live, you know, no click tracks, just made music. I taught them the songs as we as we went. I intentionally okay. didn't play them the songs beforehand. Yeah. One of the songs, um, the one actually from my grandfather's perspective, it's uh, we we never played it. We talked through it. I had I wrote a chart out. We talked through it. I said it's you know it's kind of a waltz. It's in a six eight. It's kind of in this headspace. Has kind of you know this tempo. Um, has this feel. And uh, and I was like, ah, oh, let's just go for it. Let's see what happens. And so I'm gonna record it. I recorded it, and it was just brilliant. We never played it again. It's been played once. Uh, wow. And that's the song on the record, solo and everything. We cut the solos live. And Rich is just, you know, he's he's a monster. So yeah. you can do that when you're like, oh, okay, there's the tough part of tracking live is that one mistake. And okay, that's you blew it. You know, you got to start over. Sure. And especially that's a lot of times with when you're tracking live like that, you'll cut the solos after it's hard to get a one take solo we were just like we cut them all live and it's cool it's a good album i i liked it i thank uh, you very much yeah i really did with your with your background how you know you're sitting around you put an album on or you're in the car listening to the radio and a song comes on how do you listen to music generally i just try to listen i just listen like any other listener unless it really stands out as bad or really stands out as, as extraordinary. Okay. I generally just listen. I try to, you know, just take it in and, and listen as a whole, because I still need that skill as a producer and as a mix engineer to, to be able to listen with those ears, because that's how everyone else listens. And I try to tell my clients all the time, no one's going to listen to your record like this. No one's going to obsess over where that tambourine is in the stereo field. Right. And how, and if it's one dB too loud, just doesn't happen. Yeah. The, um, you know, sometimes like, well, famously the cowbell on, on uh, fear of the reaper. Right. Is, is 
too loud and people, you know, and Hey, that was uh, Joe Bouchard's a friend of mine, the original bass player. And um, you know, he's like, it's amazing. My career took back off. It's him and his brother, Albert are the drummer and bass player in the original band. Yeah. They got together with Dennis Dunaway from Alice Cooper's band. Okay. The original bass player. And they now have a band called blue coop, Gloyster Cole, Alice Cooper. And that whole like uh, cowbell, just kind of their career just took back off. It was great press, you know? And that was just one where in radio, in FM radio, there's compression that's added. And for whatever reason, the cowbell just jumps and gets really loud in that mix. But so back to what we were talking about, you know, most people, unless it is, so that's it. If something like that happens, I'm saying like, wow, that's a weird choice. Why is that Guiro so loud in that Stones tune? But other than that, unless I'm listening to exercise, and there are times I'll listen to mixes and just kind of really listen to them as a producer and really tear them apart and see what's making them work and what I like about them, what I don't. But that's a hard way to listen. And it's enjoyable in a different way, but it's not enjoyable in the way of just like, oh, I want to put on, you know, a Zeppelin record and get lost in it in headphones. Sure. Or or, or a Beatles record or the Bee Gees or whatever, you know? Right. I made reference to the fact that you're you're a bass player, you're a um, multi-instrumentalist. What other instruments do you play? Oof, um, I play, my main instrument is bass. I started, I started on guitar and then switched to electric bass. I play, I, I studied string bass in college. So those two are my primaries, but then I play acoustic guitar would be my, you know, other real primary instrument. And then from there, it starts going down in scale where I play electric guitar, I play drums, I play, you know, cello, I play mandolin, play a little banjo. I play. So, and it's so kind of in a studio, that's where I become the multi-instrumentalist. Got it. And I'm proficient at, you know, most of the things I just mentioned, uh, you know, so kind of that's, I'll say like with drums, if you need John Bonham, then we got to call someone. Yeah. I'm not that guy, you know, and, yeah. and guitar, if we need a virtuoso solo, we need to call someone and, and I need to call someone. I have, I have a house house guys here that are in all the time. Jeff Howard plays guitar on a bunch of the records that come out of here. Glenn Nelson plays a, most of the keyboard stuff from B3 to piano to Wurlitzer, everything we have here. Glenn is kind of the guy, you know, Steve Peck, does a lot of the drums and and just you know i have a crew of people julia christy flag do a lot of the female harmony stuff so uh there's definitely a group jeff chen's coming in to do some cello stuff i'm i'm more of bass is my primary cello i'm more first position i start getting up in the thumb position and it gets a little wild you know so (laughs) (laughs) that's where i call jeff who's a classically trained cellist and sure I don't have well, to auto tune my cello. <laughs> yeah, well, you you can't expect to you can't expect yourself to do everything. That's where yeah. you use your, your your resources. Exactly. Yeah, and that's it. I always like that concept of having, like Christy Flag. It was just just a little while ago. She says, "Yeah, it's the decking crew, um, like the wrecking crew." You know, and this oh, okay. is on deck, and she called. And I was like, "Wow, no one's ever thought of that so far." But that's kind of it. I have my own decking crew of of. Uh, you know men and women who come in and and just really elevate the records and and it's a group of people that want to make good records 
and kind of understand that, you know, there's times, you know, where we, you have a good record, a record on your hands, everyone kind of has to pitch in a little bit and say, all right, you know, I, I may not be able to charge a thousand dollars for this session, you know, because we need 20 session musicians here. Sure. And then we're going to, you know, we're already at 20 grand and then we haven't even started making the record, you know? Right, right. So, yeah. So, so it's, it's a good group and, you know, we've made a lot of good records together. So. Excellent. How do you balance doing the work that you do at the studio and being a recording performance artist? You know, obviously there's just so many hours in the day and days yeah. of the week and so forth. It's for me, I've always been someone who kind of moves around a little bit. There's been times in my career I've taught more, you know, for me and kind of when you did the, uh, the intro, there's, there's all those different facets where I've written for Alfred books. I've taught for a lot of years. I taught at the National Guitar Workshop, Kent School and a few places out here. I am a performing artist. There is the studio. So all those streams. And then just depending on where you catch me is where one is heavier. When Bell of the Fall was playing a lot, we were, we were gigging a lot. We were, we were out there doing 200 shows a year so yeah i wasn't making the amount of records that i am now right now i honestly right now i have two gigs on the books and honestly i'm okay with that right now i was just talking to a friend it's, it's a weird spot for me coming out of covid and all that yeah it's just a weird vibe i don't know like i'm not i'm not excited to go out and book gigs and have to promote them and and i'm happier right now just making records so that right now sense. the balance is easy. I just want to be in the studio anyway. Right. So, so that's it. Yeah. And generally for me, I've always been that way. My heart is in one spot and I just go there. Okay. And for a few years, for a lot of years now, it's been in the studio. So, which is great. What's some of the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've received. Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. Well, for, in talking and uh, hearing, when I taught at the National Guitar Workshop, Pat Matheny used to teach there. And one of his things was, you know, there's a ton of good music out there. You don't have to learn it all and like it all. There's so much good stuff. Find the stuff that you really love and really get good at that and you'll be good. There's, the, there's Keith Richards who plays in the Rolling Stones. That's his job. There's the rest of us professional musicians who aren't in the Rolling Stones and have to make a living. So the more income streams we can have, generally it's better. And that's most of my peers. That's how we made it work. Sure. Some are really specific and say, I'm going to do one thing, one thing only really good. And that's how I'm going to make my living. But, you know, as, as a not even Keith Richards thing. Right. Um, for most of us, it's getting, you know, good at a few different things. Yeah. I think the good advice with Pat Metheny was it doesn't have to be everything. Okay. I think at first, especially being a music school, you come out thinking, God, I have to be able to play a Calypso and I have to be able to play salsa. And I have to be good at Reagan. I have to be good at Latin. And I can't, eh, you don't have to, uh, there's enough stuff. Cause if you don't love salsa music, it's going to be hard to get really good at it. Yeah. It's going to be a chore. Sure. Where there's gotta be, if you, if you, if there's not enough music out there that you love, you probably shouldn't be a musician anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That one comes to mind, okay. you know, find stuff you really love. And yeah, 
And I think that applies to life. If you find, you know, there's plenty of stuff to do out there that you love, find that and do it. Sure. And that, that sounds like a great advice that you might offer to others. Yeah, for sure. Same message. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's always that, you know, at first you think you do have to, musicians have that mindset. I've got to be able to play everything. I've got to be, you know, Matt Starr, who's here a lot. And, and uh, we talked about with Black Swan. He's kind of the opposite of that spectrum of like, you know, I'm just going to be good at playing rock. Mm-hmm. I don't have a damn about playing a salsa or, a, you know, sure. I'm going to be that guy. You call when you want that Bonham, Cozy Powell, that thing. I'm your guy. Yeah. Don't There's nothing wrong with that. That's it. You know, yeah. and he does. I shouldn't say that in his defense. He's, you know, he, he definitely does other things. But there's like kind of a, a, a specific focus there for him. And there's definitely not like, oh, I need to learn jazz and I need to learn that stuff, you know? So sure. as we're wrapping up, where can people find you, get it more information about the studio, you and your music? The studio is on deck sound.com. Okay. On Facebook, Instagram, it's on deck sound studio. Uh, for for those that's where you can find a lot of stuff just the daily stuff is on facebook instagram uh tracy is my solo stuff okay again right now i'm not doing that much so it's just kind of that weird spot of like you know i've got a couple gigs coming up i don't even know if i listed them on the website at this point yeah the focus again has been more with the studio so you definitely find that stuff there but then you could go on and and you know if you tracy walton music you know, a musician, whatever, you'd find the YouTube, the, um, I have, you know, four solo albums out. There's the bell of the fall stuff that I'm still super proud of. It was a, you know, a great, we had a great run. We, yep. you know, made three great albums, which again, when you look at the Beatles, it's, it's such a high watermark, but for sure. most people, three albums, that's, you know, that's, that's a right. really Significant. good run. Yep. Most people don't get past the first album. And never mind, you know, we played South by Southwest. We toured Canada. We had a good run. So that's, I'm really proud of those three albums. You can check those out. Again, my solo stuff. And I'm still, I'm working on, I just did, I just cut a track with, uh, it was myself. Christy Flagg was singing and Dave Spinoza played guitar on it. And Dave Spinoza is, um, his discography is, you know, he played on the first three Paul Simon records. He plays electric guitar on, American Pie. So you've heard him play for sure. You know, like he's, yeah, he played and he played on Mind Games for Lennon and a, and a Ringo uh, album. So he's played on three of the Beatles albums. What a resume. Yeah. Great player. So he he was in, we, so we just, I just started that new album, really stripped down, really acoustic, which I always say I'm going to do. And I never end up doing, and I'm hoping this time is the time. Okay. Cause I do that a lot. I, I play a lot of shows. It's just an acoustic guitar, sure. singer songwriter vibe. I tell stories and yeah. that thing. So it'd be nice to have an album that backs that, but sure. owning a studio and being a producer, it's hard. I end up. Yeah. <laughs> well, add a little bit of later. this, a little bit of that. And that's it. It's like, yeah. oh man, here we go again. We got this big full <laughs> band record with strings and <laughs> So, but so far there's two songs in the can and they're all, they're both just guitar, bass and two vocals. So yeah, yeah. we'll look forward to hearing that. Yeah. So we're going to close out with a uh, song that you've selected and I'd like for you to 
introduce us to the song play small town america i think that's a good like one to hit us off and hopefully that'll you know go to the website and hey a novel idea you can even buy the album if you like it you know yeah oh it's a great <laughs> video too by the way i love the yeah video. david lovelace great artist did that he's done some really cool stuff he has a weird owl video out there that he did for for you know weird al yankovic and an animator that it was fun seeing that come to life so you can find that too the video for the song but tracy thanks so much for your time today i've really enjoyed our uh, our chat wish you nothing but the best of success yeah thank you very much i appreciate you having me here's tracy walton's small town america from the album with the same name the old church is an off-track betting the mini mart does drive through weddings and all the storefronts go by a different name the diner serves as a discotheque the fast food joint sells toys for sex in a back room so no one feels ashamed the town i grew up in this is not the same looking back i can see the cracks I loved her just the same. The town drunk is the intermayor. His platform is a single payer where the first two drinks at the old dive bar are free. It's a small town America. Small town America. She's all grown up in the 21st century. The high school is a gun-free zone Retired judges at the bails alone So I can cash my check with no form of ID The downtown has been boarded up And a big box store is where I get my stuff The price is right, with the discount it's almost free The town see the cracks I loved her just the same it's a small town America small town America she's all grown up in the 21st century Thank you for listening to this episode of Music Trails. 
and special thanks to our guest, Tracy Walton. If you like what you hear, subscribe and tell a friend. It's a small town America, small town America.